James. James. Kristen. James, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was just rolling my eyes. <laughs> I know. I see you're rolling your eyes. Why are you rolling your eyes? I'm rolling my eyes at Liam Payne still. <laughs> I just can't. Actually, actually, so am I. It was so embarrassing, Kristen. Obviously, we're talking about Harry and Meghan who were rolling their eyes at Liam Payne's rendition of Waiting on the World to Change at the Commonwealth Day presentations and... Ooh, it, it was hard not to roll your eyes, but I just love that the camera's like focused on yeah. on Harry rolling his eyes and Megan laughing into her hands. Yeah. It was so perfect because they are us. Exactly. And it shows true love. If you can laugh at the same things, then you know that you're with the right person. And it was really beautiful in a weird way. But Liam, what are you doing? The fist bumps were so bad. <laughs> the fist bumps were bad. And then... Of all the songs to sing, Waiting on the World yeah, to Change. I know. These are the royals. They have all the power. They can change the world. Don't make it sound like they're victims in the world. And why do you want to sit around and wait? Like, make the change. Yeah, be like Michael Jackson. You know, you got to make that change. <laughs> make that Shama. change. Let's create some change today, Kristen, and start our show. Yes, we're going to make the world a better place right now because I'm Kristen Meinzer, a lifelong royals enthusiast based in the U.S., And I'm James Barr, a ginger, royal-loving Harry and Meghan fan in the UK, and you're listening to When Meghan Met Harry, a royal wedding cast. In each episode, we examine the latest news about the wedding, do a deep dive into a pressing issue about the royal couple, and finally give our predictions for what we think will happen on the wedding day itself. Shall we get started with this week's headlines, James? Let's do it. The first headline has been all over the news. Everyone's been writing about how Queen Elizabeth has now formally given her consent for Harry and Meghan to get married. I mean, oh, finally. (laughs) As you remember, she did give verbal consent back before Harry proposed over that famous roast chicken. So there wasn't really much concern over the fact that she hadn't written it down. But in her message, she calls Harry my most dearly beloved grandson, (laughs) How does that feel, William? How does that feel? I love that part. You know that those two totally yuck it up all the time. You know they're telling naughty jokes to each other. Totally. Getting up to no good. Yeah. You can see the sparkle in her eyes when he's around. I love it, though, because it's like, yeah, okay, the lines of succession are over. Harry's the favorite. Yeah. Who cares about succession when you're grandma's favorite? The queen is also a fan of Suits because she referred to Meghan by her legal first name, Rachel, which is also the name of her character in Suits. I don't know if the queen actually knew her name was Rachel in real life or just is a big fan of the Suits. I, I would love it if she just got confused. I would love that She just that loves too. the show so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the formal letter is handwritten in calligraphy and features the queen's signature as well as a great seal and a frame. The whole shebang is called the Instrument of Consent. Wills and Kate were given theirs about a week before their wedding and also received a hard copy after the wedding so the typed version that we've currently seen is kind of like a draft we haven't seen the queen's signature or calligraphy yet apparently harry and Meghan will receive their instrument of consent after the ceremony instrument of consent i love that it sounds like it's useful instrument it kind of sounds a bit rude as well right instrument Next up, the Daily Mail is reporting that Prince Harry has refused to sign a prenuptial agreement before marrying Meghan Markle. A prenuptial agreement would allow Harry to safeguard his estimated £30 million fortune. That fortune includes £20 million of assets, as well as a £10 million inheritance from his mother, Princess Diana, that Harry received when he turned 30. Meghan also has assets to protect, of course. It's estimated that she's amassed £4 million from her successful acting career 
year. If the reports are true, Harry will be following in the footsteps of his older brother, Wills, who also rejected a prenup with Kate. Notably, Princess Di did not have a prenup either. That resulted in her having to fight hard to win her divorce settlement to Charles of £17 million in 1996, plus £400,000 per year. The Duchess of York, Fergie, Kristen's favourite, had a harder time claiming that her 1996 divorce settlement from Prince Andrew only gave her £15,000 per year, but maybe she was telling porkies because royal officials claim she actually received a lump sum of £3 million. Do you say porkies in the US? <laughs> no, I'm laughing my head off. <laughs> yeah, it's Cockney rhyming slang for lies. It's like, oh, pork pies, lies, and then you shorten that to just porkies. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in the UK, uh, prenups are not legally binding. They are very helpful, but you still have to go to court. But in the case of a prenup being arranged, you would take it with you and be like, yeah, they said I could have this. And then they'd be like, cool, OK. I hope I just explained the UK legal system in the most succinct way possible. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally like, yeah, cool, whatevs. <laughs> if only Rachel Zane was here to explain it to us. But of course, we'll never have to worry about that with Harry and Meghan because this is love forever and it's never going to yeah, end. Yeah, and if they do, it's okay because Rachel's a paralegal. Yes, Rachel. Let's just call her Rachel for the rest of the show. Next up, some incredibly important news. Hello Giggles writes that Hidden Valley, the company that makes salad dressing, is gifting a diamond-encrusted bottle of ranch dressing to Meghan and Harry. Kristen, please explain. This bottle is apparently worth $35,000. Most of that value is probably in the ranch dressing, I bet, not even the diamonds, because (laughs) ranch dressing is so delicious and perfect. And they're giving away bottles to us lowly ranch dressing fans also, as long as we retweet them. And if you're saying, why? Why ranch dressing? I know you're saying why. Well, Hidden Valley has an answer for you. That's because May 19th is National Ranch Day. Of course it is. The press release read, renowned in these United States as the flavor that goes well with anything, Hidden Valley Ranch is honoring the great pairing of a fellow famous American with British royalty, as well as those who royally love ranch with a diamond, sapphire, and 18-carat white gold encrusted glass bottle, the only way to serve America's favorite ranch to royalty. Designed by an A-list celebrity jeweler, one ornate bottle of the number one selling dressing in the country, which cannot be found throughout the land of the United Kingdom, will be sent on a journey overseas. I guess that means we'll have to make ranch dressing related predictions for the wedding day later. This is, please no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> ranch dressing, no, I don't, I don't get this at all. Ranch dressing in the UK is like Megan's older bitch half sister. Unloved <laughs> and kind of like her book. No one, no one buys it. Ah! <laughs> You're so horrible. Ah. Okay, let's do the next headline. We got to get to the next one. Oh my god, this is the best news of the day. Yes, I know you love this one. Did you see that the makers of The Crown have said Meghan Markle can play herself in an upcoming season? Yes, that would be crazy. Yay. That would be so weird. Harper's Bazaar reports that at a conference, the producers of the popular show about Queen Elizabeth II and her family noted future seasons will bring us to more modern characters, one of which could be Meghan. The creative director of the show's production company was quoted saying, she can play herself. Sadly, she probably won't since she's now retired from acting, but never say never. If she were to reprise her career, this would be the role. Matt Smith, who plays Philip, the Queen's husband in the show, has suggested Selena Gomez play Megan. <laughs> what? No. So so hold on. If Megan can't do it, we're going to get Selena Gomez. 
That is a horrible substitution. I mean, I love Celine. That, that I, makes no I sense love Selgo. I love her too, but they do not look anything alike. Very true. They look nothing Very alike. True. No. Like, they have brown hair. Also, I feel like the queen should be extended an offer to play herself in the show. Yes. And then also, wouldn't it be great if Eugenie and Beatrice <laughs> played themselves? That would be the greatest thing in the whole world. Well, I guess they will be in it with the hats. When we get to Wills and Kate's wedding one day. Beatrice was in that movie, Young Victoria, you know. Really? Did you no. see that? Yes, she was. She actually was in that. She was like one of the ladies in waiting. So it wouldn't be her first time on screen. Ooh, that would be so good. Girl. So good. So good. <laughs> Speaking of the big screen and entertainment, the biggest screen of all, Lifetime Television, <sighs> just released their official teaser trailer for the upcoming Lifetime movie about Harry and Meghan called Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance. And Is everyone ready to blub? Oh my god, here we go. Let's just watch it again for the hundredth time. Okay, I'm going to press play here just so we can... Are you watching it as well? Oh, I already have it memorized. <laughs> Tell me something real. Tell me something real. I can't. I'm so oh sad. Oh my god. I'm crying so I'm much. not crying, you're crying. <laughs> I'm, crying. I'm not crying, I'm you're so crying. I'm so in love. It's amazing. <laughs> it's I don't need so my life good. to be this perfect royal picture. I just need you. I'm dead. Oh my god. Don't you love also how they're like naked in bed? Yeah. How do you think the queen feels about that? They're totally naked. And then, you know, when they're in Africa, she's wearing the Invictus outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I love they just keep bringing back that Invictus outfit. The torn faded jeans, the white blouse. Yep. Love it. Lifetime has totally nailed this one. This is way better than the Wills and Kate one. Oh, my God. Wills and Kate looked nothing like Wills and Kate in that one. It was ridiculous. Like, they couldn't even find someone who was over 5'4". Really? <laughs> These two actually look sort of like they could be cousins. They really do, actually. Yeah, that's a good way of wording it. They look so similar. I actually thought it was them when it first came on screen. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's 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 wishful thinking. But yeah, maybe they're cousins, which I was going to make a royal joke about marrying cousins. But we're not going to do no, that. This we're isn't Game of Thrones. No. Lifetime have released some stills from the film, so we can actually look at them on Us Magazine's website. And they just, they look, oh, they're they look beautiful. Um, little George and Charlotte are adorable as well. But as we were just saying, wh- why can no one find anyone that looks anything like Wills or Kate? Because they've got to be out there. Yeah. In this movie, in the last movie, they couldn't find anyone. They, they, they exist. They exist. It's just a bald dude. Like, it can't be that hard. And finally, there was a delightful interview with Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury on ITV in the UK. Oh, he is the best. He is the best. And I, I love all archbishops, but I, I love Justin all the best archbishops. of all the All of them? <laughs> yes, I love them all. But I really love Justin. He so, is cute in that little outfit. Yeah, so you might remember from last week's episode that the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin, performed Megan's baptism. He will also be performing the marriage ceremony on May 19th and he and Megan have formed a special kind of friendship apparently since their engagement and he said he was honored to be asked to baptize her. In his interview with ITV recently he said he couldn't say much about the baptism but that it was very moving and despite all the attention and pressure leading up to the wedding day he says at the heart of it is two people who have fallen in love with each other and who have committed their lives to each other with the most beautiful words and profound thoughts. Oh. Swoon, 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 swoon. And in terms of what he's doing to prep for the wedding, he told ITV he must neither drop the <laughs> ring nor forget to get the vows in the right order, which apparently he's done at recent weddings. So not Practice this time. Snake's perfect, bish. <laughs> did you just call him I bish? I did. I think that's his new name. <laughs> Should we take a quick break? Yes. I don't want to because I'm so loved up right now. No, no, no. During the break, let's just rewatch that trailer about 12 <laughs> yeah, more okay, times. Cool. Let's just do that. Let's... Let's just do that. We're going to be right back to deep dive with you 
next. All right, and we are back, and it's time for this week's deep dive. This week, we are joined by the amazing, artistic, beautiful Julia Knox. Julia is an English milliner from East Village Hats here in New York City, and she's here to talk with us about a very important royal wedding topic. Oh, my God. Fascinators. Yay! (laughs) Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to chat to you. First up, tell us about East Village Hats. Well, we're a tiny, tiny little store in East Village, and we make all of our hats right on the premises. And um, hopefully we're going to be making some hats that are going to come over to England this year. Oh, my gosh. So, hold on. Are you going to be at the royal wedding? Are you (laughs) going to be wearing a fascinator there? Uh, I think my invite must be lost in the post. Everybody says that when we ask them that. Same same with me and James. Yeah, where are they? What's going on? No, we have no idea. They're obviously very slow at sending them out. Okay, so what is a fascinator? Explain it to our listeners. The fascinator is literally to grab the attention. The earliest reference that we've found to the word is from a, a book written by Edith Wharton in uh, about 1899 called Ethan Frome. In the book, there's a girl who is this kind of flirtatious, gorgeous thing who ties a red cloth around her head to be a fascinator. Ooh. And so that is the first kind of incident of the word being in text. So literally, the the idea is to attract the attention of the opposite sex. Now, quick question here. So you're putting it on your head just to be interesting looking or attractive, but it doesn't have any practical purpose Absolutely other than that, right? Absolutely no use It's not like rain or wind protection. Nope, it's not no sun protection, to, nothing. Nothing. It's just so, yeah, there to be decorative. useless hat. Well, if it's attracting the opposite sex, as you just said, Julia, it doesn't sound useless. Well, so exactly, there's a good use. And, and how does it actually stay on your head? I have to ask this question. Every time I see some sort of royal brigade, a bunch of fancy people out, and they have these fascinators on. And it's magically And I wonder, on how do they all stay on their heads? There's yeah. a lot of different tricks, actually. And, and they kind of vary for different milliners. Personally, my hats have a little secret elastic that hides in your hair. And you literally forget it's there. Oh. I have people tell me all the time that they don't remember they're wearing their fascinator until somebody compliments them on it. Um, some of the other milliners use a headband that's hiding in the hair. Or it can be a raise of bobby pins. Uh, it can even be a hat pin. Obviously, you can't control the weather in the UK. So how strong is that elastic? Like, can it withhold gale force winds? These hats don't have a lot of substance to them. So there's not a lot for the wind to catch. Mm. <laughs> so the idea is the feathers just jiggle in the breeze. Yeah, so the wind's not too much of a problem. I am obsessed with them. They are so beautiful. Or so ugly. <laughs> well. Oh, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that in just a second. We are, but first we have to ask one more technical question. Okay. Which is what's the deal with hatinators? We've heard the word hatinator, oh. fascinator. And are they the same thing? Is hatinator just like a bad Americanization it's, word? I actually or? think it's an Australian word. I Ugh. think the Australians invented this horrible, horrible <laughs> hybrid word. And it's literally supposed to describe a fascinator that is literally so big that you can no longer call it a fascinator. Isn't that a hat then? Well, because it's still got that useless quality, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than being a hat, which is offering you shade and sun protection or warmth, 
the uh, hatinator is as useless as a fascinator, but as gigantic as a hat. Oh my god! I love that you have a business that sells these fascinators and hats, but you're you're happy to own their truth and call them useless. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so brilliant. Now we do have to get to this question. Just backtrack a little bit. So you know, some are beautiful, some fascinators, maybe not so much. We need to have your thoughts on Princess Beatrice's fascinator <sighs> from the royal wedding of 2011. You knew this question was yes, going to come up. I, I, it's absolutely unavoidable when you talk about the royal wedding. The question is, does it resemble more a toilet seat with a great big bow on top or <laughs> an IUD? Oh, I always call it the toilet seat hat, right, but I never thought hat, of it as an IUD. the IUD is definitely it there. It does look like an IUD also. To me, it kind of looks like a crab. Like a giant crab or a pretzel. The sad thing is, I, I happen to know that a very, very skilled milliner spent 60 hours making that oh my beautiful gosh. piece of garbage. You mustn't question how beautifully made it was. It was absolutely beautifully made. Yeah. Now, what I'm questioning is, how did it get to 60 hours in and them not go, hmm, this is a bit, oh, this is a bit much. Oh, maybe this was a mistake. <laughs> oh. Something can be well constructed and still be totally horrible to look at, though. Yeah. Oh, and, that's so sad. I mean, I shouldn't say horrible to look at. It, it gave bitches. the world a lot of comedy. But it also raised a lot of money for children's charity. Oh, yes. Didn't she auction it she off She did. Later? Oh, my wow. gosh. Good on her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so she made the best of things she did. with that fascinator. What do you think she's going to wear to this upcoming wedding with Megan and Harry? Do you feel that she's going to feel pressure to wear an even crazier fascinator or take it down a notch? What do you think she's going to do? Do you think she enjoyed that publicity? Maybe. All publicity is good publicity. Right. And if she raised that money for charity... She's got to do it again. Right. I, I think maybe she'll just try and, yeah, even outdo it maybe. Wow. Maybe she can raise a million for charity this year. That would be great. She could do it. Yeah, I think she could. Now, question. There are going to be a lot of people who are not British at this particular That's wedding because funny. the bride is American, mm -hmm. but she also lived in Canada for many, many years. So Americans, Canadians, do they... We're fascinators when they go to a British event, or what's the typical protocol here? I need to know well, for, for my this own wedding. Sake. For this wedding, they definitely will be expected to. Oh, they yes, will. This is okay. very British society. The hat is definitely necessary. Now, the hat versus the fascinator tends to be quite generational. So the bride's generation usually wears a fascinator, while the older generation are, are usually going to be in hats. Oh, yes. Because I don't know. If, has Queen Elizabeth no, ever she's never worn, worn a fascinator? She's never worn one. No. Okay. And it won't happen. Okay. <laughs> so hold on. Are fascinators just a trend of the current era? And then in 20 years, we won't see fascinators anymore? There'll, there'll be a return to hats? or There's always been these small hats, which sometimes are referred to as cocktail hats, sometimes referred to as toy hats. The fascinator is kind of that taken to an extreme, almost taking the hat away from the, the equation and, and being left with just frill. Frill, something, <laughs> air, veiling, feathers. And actually, in, in millinery circles, the, the hats that we're, we're describing often aren't referred to as fascinators. Uh, Princess Beatrice's hat is really a cocktail hat oh. because there is a substantial hat Oh, element like to this hat. hat to nature. And in ah! Australia... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Julia's leaving. <laughs> Please carry on, Julia. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, and that angle that was on Beatrice's hat where it's actually kind of standing straight up from her head, it's usually referred to as a percher, mm. where it's literally only touching you at your forehead. And it can, wow. it can leave a lovely mark, actually, those hats. I don't make them personally. They're a bit... Um, avant-garde for my taste but yeah so they're standing straight up and they're very popular in Australia I wonder if we'll see them again in the UK yeah I mean I, I do have to say I admire the architecture 
of that kind of headpiece because right. it seems almost like some sort of magic that doesn't follow the laws of gravity. I believe it has a stand behind it as well as a headband to push it forward on the head. It's oh. quite engineered. Yeah, it's a feat wow. of engineering. Um, so <laughs> yeah. what would be the right fascinator for us to pick? Like, what are things we should be considering? And by the way, I want to wear one as well. I'm not wearing some boring hat just because I'm a boy. Certainly, I've done them for men in New York City. I don't know in London. I think you might be the first. Yes, I'm happy to do that. If Adam Rippon can wear a harness to the Oscars, then I can wear a fascinator to the royal wedding. Yeah. Okay, so you know what James looks like. If you were to design a fascinator for James going to the wedding, what would you design for him with his beautiful ginger hair? Oh, I think we should have something skin. coming up the side of his face and ending in flames above his head. Oh my God, I love it. Oh. So Hunger Games. And would you come up with that design because of his colouring or because no, of the because shape of his face? No, because of this hair to emphasise this, this flaming hair that he has coming up. We'd have to take that line and, and take it higher. Oh, wow. And if you were to make a fascinator for... I'm just going to go out in a completely different direction here. But for Meghan Markle's mother? Well, she would probably wear a hat. Mother of the bride really ought to wear a hat. Oh, okay. So, And, and probably because of the royal connection, I, are they going to send her to one of the royal dressmakers? Because the royal dressmakers work in sync with the, the milliners. So that's why everything oh. matches so absolutely perfect. So the fabrics are dyed alongside the straws so that everything is absolutely color-coordinated. Oh, that's so they're not just shopping in the right place to make sure no, that happens. <laughs> they're, they're actually working together to use exactly the same dyes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I would think they'll probably hook her up with the Royal Connection, don't you think? Probably, yeah. And then you're right, because she's of that generation, she'll wear a hat. What about the listeners? What, what would be something to consider when picking your own fascinator? Well, obviously the royals love to go very matching. So finding a dress and then and then designing your fascinator in exactly the same tones is kind of a good royal way to go. The important thing that Americans have to remember is that black is really taboo. Mm. So I don't know if you remember, but Posh Spice wore deep, deep navy yes. from head to toe yes. and people were up in arms because you really don't wear black to weddings. But she'd taken the navy so dark she basically looked like she was going to a funeral. And that's mm. considered to be terribly bad luck. Yeah, those two had a lot of missteps with their clothes that day. They'll remember that um, Baxi had his medals on the wrong side of his oh, chest. God. I mean, they were screwing <laughs> things up left and right that day. But, you know, they're posh and backs. I guess they'll right. just do whatever Celebrity they want Celebrity royalty, they're fine. All right, so we should wear colorful fascinators, mm-hmm. ideally matched to our clothes. Ideally matched to your clothes. It's really the only time that you do that. Normally when people come in and looking for fascinators at the store, we tell them not to worry about matching if you're not the queen. <laughs> but it is the royal wedding, so it isn't a good excuse to match rather than coordinate. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to hit your store and pick out some cute fascinators for ourselves. In the run-up to the royal wedding, we're going to be throwing some make-your-own fascinator parties. <gasps> you are? When can we go to those? So the first one, we have one coming up at the beginning of April, and then there'll be another one by the end. Oh my gosh. So that's the best way to do it, don't you think? Absolutely. Make I'll be yourself. there. I'll definitely be there. <laughs> if we can't make it to the store, though, what, what would be some like basic tips on how to make our own fascinators at home? Ah, well, Etsy's a fantastic resource for finding fascinator bases. There's some wonderful feather places online, like thefeatherplace.com. Mm. And you can start playing with a base and some feathers and have a little fun. Sounds very fun. I love feathers. (laughs) All about the feathers. Feathers are so, yeah, they're a great time. 
Thank you so much for stopping by, Julia. You can find Julia's work online at eastvillagehats.nyc. You can visit her shop in person too. And make sure you take that Fascinator workshop if you live in New York City. Kristen, I'm looking at you. Yes, I'll be there. And I'm bringing Lindsay with me. Yes. Julia, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Right, we're taking another break, but stick around when Megan Matt Harry is back in a minute with our prediction for the Royal Wedding Day. And today's is a good one. And we're back with this week's Royal Wedding Prediction of the Week. And remember, on the wedding day itself, we'll be releasing a bingo board slash drinking game with all of our predictions coming true and all of us being very loopy and excited because we'll be so drunk because all of our predictions will be coming true. And hi to Rachel Schmoyer, who tweeted us the other day saying, looking forward to the bingo board. I love your predictions each week. Thanks, Rachel. Though I'm not sure you'll remember Thank much of the you. wedding day itself if you get involved with our bingo board, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so should we do today's prediction? Yes, yes. Okay, hit me, Kristen. Here it is. Megan's very good friend, Jessica Mulroney, who we all know about, will not what? be a bridesmaid. However, her daughter, Isabel, will. Yes. Now, Jessica, of course, is the stylist who worked with Megan for years and years on suits. She's probably the most celebrated stylist in all of Canada. And her husband, Ben, is a TV host. And the Mulroneys were the two friends who knew very early on about Megan and Harry's romance. And they were such insiders that when Megan and Harry were first found out, they offered their house as a place to hunker down and hide from the press. So Harry and Megan stayed with the Mulroneys for a few days in their giant house, hiding from the paparazzi in Toronto. And during that time, Harry became friendly with both of them, and he also became friends with their three little kids, seven-year-old twins Brian and John, and four-year-old daughter Isabel. And apparently Harry brought them presents, and they got on like eggs and bacon. It was apparently lovely and wonderful. And our theory is that since Jessica is such a good friend, but since Jessica is going to be so busy helping Megan to style the wedding and plan the wedding, that she's not going to be in the wedding itself, but her children will. We predict daughter Isabel will be a bridesmaid, and we're also predicting that her sons will be page boys. They're going to have so many bridesmaids and page boys. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I love this prediction so much. It's given me goosebumps, like literally. I just love it. I love it. And you know what? Jessica doesn't need to be front and center. She's always been a stylist. She's always been that person who's helping others to look their best. She doesn't need to be out there in front being a bridesmaid. But you know that Megan wants to return the favor somehow. So putting the kids on the center stage there, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a great tribute to Jessica and to Ben and to all the help that Jessica and Ben have given this couple over the last year and a half. It's just going to be a day of love. It's so cute that they harbored them in Toronto. Isn't that so adorable? I know. I just love that. It's so. Those are good friends. Any friends that will help you hide from the Daily Mail, those are good friends. Totally. And not be awkward about you going to bed early. Is that too much? Yeah. It's not too much. It's not too much. But you know, we were all thinking it, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Especially after that trailer. Yeah, exactly. After that trailer, I've got that on the brain. Love it. Love it. Love it. Right. Let's go and make our fascinators. Oh, yes, yes. I'm still deciding whether or not mine's going to look like Eugenie's. We'll see. Or if it's going to look like Beatrice's. Or We'll see. We'll see. I'm very excited for these fascinators. All right. And that's it for this episode of When Megan Met Harry. When Megan Met Harry is produced by Her Royal Highness, Lindsay Cradwell, who also makes very clever puns and jokes. We love you, Lindsay. Thanks also to Baron Ryan Dilly, our producer in London. And as always, thanks to Andy Bowers, 
Archduke of Panoply. If you have any predictions of your own to share, please send us an email at whenmeganmetharry at panoply.fm or you can tweet us at Royal Wedding Pod. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and please leave us a review. It helps all the Hagen fans in the world to find us. Don't forget to tell all your friends all about us. Until next time, I'm James Barr. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Mwah! Let's watch that trailer again. Let's watch it again, James. Does love like this exist, Kristen, in real life? Only with Meghan and Harry. No, don't say that. What? You're meant to say yes, James. Yes, James, it will. You will find this love. (laughs) Yes, when you're 33, you will also fall in love with a beautiful American. And then the press will hound you, and you'll be in Canada staying with your best friends, too. I hope so. Yeah, and then you'll become a godfather to their three children. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be so good.